person is the strongest person. The strongest person is the one who doesn't have to pretend like they're strong. Oftentimes, the people who are the weakest are the ones who need to have the most pronounced display of power. Jesus was the strongest man who ever lived and was meek, and humble, and lowly, and loving. See, the strongest person is the person who doesn't have to show you how strong they are. It's the person who can love the most ferociously. What is strength to you? Someone lifting impossibly heavy weights? A soldier bravely facing the enemy line? Today on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel shares that strength may not be quite what you think it is. You'll discover that a person who embodies real strength is humble and doesn't have to prove how strong he is. You could see this in the example of Jesus, who with great strength loved you fiercely and laid down his life Here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Second Census of the Levites. As it was time, before they even took the tent down, they're covering the articles. Because it's not for everyone. Now you might say, well, okay, so, so what does that mean about my relationship with God? Don't forget that that's exactly why Jesus came. Because there's a separation between a human and God. Because God is God. We have a tendency to think, well, God is my homeboy. No, he's not. He's God Almighty. And he is very intimate, but it's not casual. I think because we have a casual culture, that we don't have very strong sense of authority, like kids don't respect their parents because our culture doesn't value these type of things. We have a casual sense in our experience with God. But God is holy, and he's distinct. And Jesus came to bridge the gap of separation between a holy God and imperfect people like you and I. But the fact that these guys, right away they cover each one of these pieces of furniture is pretty powerful. Now, what's also interesting, and I talked about this, each piece of furniture in there all points to Jesus in a different way. You remember this? The golden lampstand the only way light was in that tent of meeting because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The table of showbread. It's a reminder of that God has fellowship with humanity. There's a loaf of bread for each tribe of the children of Israel. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You have the the altar of incense reminding us because incense was the work of the priest, reminding us that Jesus is the great high priest and, of course, that Ark of the Covenant The mercy seat, all of it points to Jesus, every one of these things. So the first thing they do is they cover it. Notice it's a blue cloth and then a badger skin. What's interesting is the holiest pieces of furniture God covered with a humble covering. You know I'm going to make, I'm going to apply that, right? John's gospel chapter one tells us that the word who was with God and was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him without nothing that was made that was made. In him was life and that life was the light of men. Then it says that that word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. 
See, Jesus was fully God, but came in the humility of a person. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Peter, James, and John were there, and Jesus was transfigured, his essential glory was turned outward through his body, and he was transfigured before them. Remember that story? See, God Almighty came in the humility of human flesh. And when when it was time to transport these holy pieces of furniture, they were covered with badger skins. And guess what? Badger skins were really common. It reminds us how street-level Jesus is. How, in a sense, Jesus comes in our vernacular, in blue jeans, with a flannel shirt on. That Jesus meets each one of us right where we are. Now, you might say, listen, he didn't really wear blue jeans. Yeah, they didn't wear blue jeans and flannel shirts back. But the idea is is that Jesus comes normally, humbly. You got to love that about a perfect and holy God who comes with humility. Because you guys know this, right? The humblest person is the strongest person. The strongest person is the one who doesn't have to pretend like they're strong. Oftentimes, the people who are the weakest are the ones who need to have the most pronounced display of power. Jesus was the strongest man who ever lived and was meek and humble and lowly and loving. See, the strongest person is the person who doesn't have to show you how strong they are. It's the person who can love the most ferociously. And don't miss, of course, the sense of hierarchy here. Because the first thing they do is the Ark of the Covenant that was in the Holy of Holies, and then they go to the outer things. And there is a sense here of hierarchy. Now, continuing on, look at what happens. Verse 14. They shall put on all, put on it all its implements with which they minister there, the firepans, the forks, the shovels, the basins, and all the utensils of the altar, and they shall spread on it a covering of badger skins and insert its poles. Verse 15, and when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is set to go, then the sons of Kohath shall come and carry them, but they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. These are the things in the tabernacle of meeting which the sons of Kohath are to carry. Verse 16, the appointed duty of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, is the oil for the light, the sweet incense, the daily grain offering, and the anointing oil, the oversight of all the tabernacle, of all that is in it with the sanctuary and its furnishings. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, verse 17, and Aaron, saying, do not cut off the tribe of the families of the Kohathites from among the Levites. But do this in regard to them, that they may live and not die when they approach the most holy things. Aaron and his sons shall go in and appoint each of them to his service and his task. But they shall not go in to watch while the holy things are being covered, lest they die. Now, again, we are reminded here about their ongoing service before the Lord. We find out here that No one's allowed to touch it. It needs to be covered. Again, we've talked about this. The fact that Eliezer, the son of Aaron, is appointed with the oil for the light, the sweet incense, and the grain offering, and the anointing oil, and the oversight of the tabernacle. So Aaron is the high priest, but Eliezer is the high priest in waiting. He is the the next in line. So he has a very specific job, which is as the co- Hethites are carrying all these different pieces of furniture. He has all of the things that make all these things work, like the oil for the light and all this. And he has oversight. So he himself 
has a role. And we're reminded again that the children of the Kohathites, that they need to be appointed and set apart for the work. Now, oftentimes, I don't think we have a tendency to talk about this reality that we need to be set apart for the work. The biblical word for this is the idea of being consecrated. And you and I are called to be set apart for the work of the Lord. Now, the idea of being set apart, what it means is that you are reserved for a specific purpose. You're reserved for... How many of you guys remember the movie The Natural? You guys remember that's an old movie, Robert Red, baseball movie. You know, he had his special bat, right? And only he used that bat. Why? Because it was set apart for Roy Hobbs' use. And you and I need to remember that we are set apart for God's use. And one of the biggest issues we have, and we talk about this here a lot, is that because we're not used to being set apart for God, we start to be used by people and we handle ourselves as not consecrated. It'd be like if Roy Hobbs's bat was being used in an eight-year-old t-ball league. Can you imagine that? Like this famous ball player's bat just being used by a bunch of kids and they're just hitting the concrete with it and they're hitting the fence. You guys have gone to Little League games, right? Especially little boy Little League games, it's hysterical. Those guys can't focus on anything, you know? And it's like you don't use something that is that profound. It's a terrible analogy, but that profound for something as trivial. Any bat will do in Little Boy's Little League. And you have to realize that you're of more value than you realize that just as the Levites were set apart for the work of the Lord, you and I have to see ourselves also as consecrated. So now, in verse 21, we move to the duties of the sons of Gershon, or the Gershonites. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take a census of the sons of Gershon, by their father's house, by their families, from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old. You shall number them, all who enter to perform the service, to do the work in the tabernacle of meeting. This is the service of the family of the Gershonites in serving and caring. They shall carry the curtains of the tabernacle and the tabernacle of meeting with its coverings, the covering of badger skin that is on it, the screen for the door of the tabernacle of meeting, the screen for the door that is on the gate of the court, the hangings of the court, which are around the tabernacle and altar, and their cords and all the furnishings for their service and all that is made for these things. So shall they serve. Aaron and his sons shall assign all the service of the sons of the Gershonites, all the tasks and all their service, and you shall appoint to them all their tasks as their duty. This is the service of the families of the sons of Gershon in the tabernacle of meeting, and their duty shall be under the authority of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. Now, we have it laid out again that the sons of Gershon, the Gershonites, their job was to carry all the curtains of the tabernacle of meeting and the curtains of what's around it, all the coverings, the badger skins, and the screen doors. Now, someone is apt to say, well, why is that their job? And the answer is because God chose it to be their job. And I think we talked about this before, but I always bring it up because we have a tendency to be so self-nervous or so insecure that when God asks someone else to do something different than us, we have a tendency, well, why them and not me? which is the total wrong question. It should be like, Lord, okay, cool, they're doing that. What is my job? 
Because I think what happens is when people have different roles, we have a tendency to think, oh, well, the Kohathites, their job is really good and our job is kind of good. But the reality is, is you can't put the furniture in nothing. So everyone's job is equally important. And I think we have this tendency to kind of say, oh, this is more important and oh, man, my job, what does it matter when this job is really important? And no, the only thing that matters is, God, what have you called me to? Lord, what have you equipped me for? What are you asking me to do? And don't worry about how it relates to somebody else for whatever reason. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that you and I are faithful and fruitful in what God has set in front of us. So let me give you an example. If you are single, then your job is to be faithful and fruitful as a single person. If you are married, your job is to be faithful and fruitful as a married person. If you are a parent, then God says, be faithful and fruitful in nurturing those children. And if God has withheld children from you, your job is to be faithful and fruitful of not raising children at this juncture. See, so often what we do is we say, oh, well, when I'm there or this and that, and that's more important. No, it, it's, it takes enough work for each one of us to be faithful and fruitful on the step that we're on rather than worrying about the step that we're not on. Does it make sense? And so we have to remember that each person had a different set of things that were before them, and each one is responsible to the Lord to be faithful and fruitful in the midst of that. And don't miss the fact that in this, at the end of verse 28, we find out that Aaron's son, Ithamar, is the guy who's responsible to be the foreman, so to speak, for the Gershonites. Now, I like this. Because A.W. Tozer once said that it's very easy to be holy when someone is looking over your shoulder. And I like the reality that God didn't say, okay, Gershonites, this is your job, and no one's going to make sure you did your job. But there is baked into this the accountability to make sure that things got done the right way. That there was somebody who was responsible to say, okay, we're getting it done right. Now, why do I bring that up? Because we live in an individualistic culture, and nobody really likes someone looking over our shoulder in our culture. But you know what the problem is when no one's looking over your shoulder? We are all are shady enough to try and cook the books, right? We're all wired to cut as many corners as possible just to get it done, but not to get it done with joy, not to go the extra mile. And so I want to encourage you to invite people into your life to look over your shoulder on the areas where you're trying to grow. Because if you don't do that, you know what? You're going to keep cutting corners. And no one's judging you because we all do it. We all have areas in our life where we're not willing to be accountable because we don't really want to have to do it. We just want to cut a bunch of corners. Can I get an amen? Amen. Listen, I'm, listen, God's been dealing with me on this because I, in my own life, there's all these areas where I'm like, I just want to kind of fudge over this corner. I don't want to do it thoroughly and completely. And God keeps saying, listen, you need to invite people into that. You need to ask people for help. You need to say, hey, Lynn, that's my bride. Hey, can you make sure that I get that thing done this way? Because I keep kind of sliding over it and it keeps coming back and getting me later. So Ithamar is there because although the Gershonites know their job, God knows our hearts. And God knew that the Gershonites, left up to their own devices, might not get the job done to its fullest capacity. So what happens? He says, Ithamar is responsible. So the son of Aaron has to be able to say, okay, yeah, we're getting this thing right. He has responsibility and authority over it. Now, check it out. The sons of duties of the sons of Mary, verse 29. 
As for the sons of Mary, you shall number them by their families and by their father's house. From 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, you shall number them. Everyone who enters the service to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. And this is what they must carry as their service for the tabernacle of meeting. The boards of the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, verse 32. And the pillars around the court with their sockets, pegs, and cords, with all their furnishings, and with all their service, you shall assign to each man by name the items he must carry. This is the service of the families of the sons of Mary as all their service for the tabernacle of meeting under the authority of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. So the sons of Mary, they are responsible for the frames, the crossbars, and the posts. So think about it. Kohath, they have all the furniture, right? And then the Gershonites, they have all the coverings. And then Mary, they have all the framing and crossbars and boards. Now, once again, and I hope you notice this. You notice this kind of all reads like a repeat of the last thing, but with new information. Why do I bring that up? Because we don't always have to recreate the wheel. I'm always amazed. So we live in a culture that want, there's a theory of how everything got here. And they call it evolution. And the idea is that because certain species have similarities, one had to come from the other. Because it makes absolutely no logical sense that if something works, that God could use it across species. See, do you understand what I'm saying? See, like, there are similarities between different species. Why? Because it works, and God doesn't need to come up with a brand new way. But we say, oh, there's similarities, so this thing must have come from this. It must have? No. Listen, when something works, let me give you an example. If you have a great recipe for fettuccine Alfredo, What do you do with it? You make the same recipe the same way every time. Why? Because it's perfect. It doesn't need anything different. And so oftentimes, fettuccine Alfredo sure sounds good, amen? You know, but it's like when something works, you don't have to recreate the wheel just to be unique. And each one of these little sections here, it's like this is, there's just a good little layout. This is for the sons of this person from 30 years old and above. It's it's almost like a formula. And you guys know this. How often are the things that we do for our jobs, you just do the same thing the exact same way. Why? Because it works. And there's some wisdom in having a formula that works. And God uses it often. It just works the way that this is being laid out. All the information gets out there. Now, verse 34. And Moses and Aaron and the leaders of the congregation numbered the sons of the Kohathites by the families and by their father's house from 30 years old And above, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for the work of the tabernacle of meeting. And those who were numbered by their families were 2,750. These were the ones who were numbered of the families of the Kohathites, all who might serve in the tabernacle of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses, and those who were numbered of the sons of Gershon by their families and by their father's house from 30 years old and above, even if 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, those who were numbered by their families by their father's house were 2,630. These are the ones who were numbered of the families of the sons of Gershon, of all who might serve the tabernacle of meeting, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the commandment of the Lord. Verse 42, those of the families of the sons of Mary 
who were numbered by their families, by their father's house from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, everyone who entered the service for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, those who were numbered by their families were 3,200. These are the ones who were numbered of the families of the sons of Mary, whom Moses and Aaron numbered according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. So we have the complete numbering here. We find that there is 2,750 from Kohath, 2,630 from Gershon, and 3,200 from the tribe or the family of Merari. I know someone's bound to ask, so what's, why is it important? Why all these numbers? And here's why. Because every number is a person, and every person is important to God. That's why this is important. Like, how many of us have gotten bogged down in trying to read through the book of Numbers? Like, why am I reading this? It's a reminder that each number represents a living soul who was created in the image and likeness of God, and God cares about. So you might think, this is why, why do we care about this? Because God cares about people. He cares about people. And he cares about us fulfilling our responsibilities. He cares about it. These chapters are in the Bible not only as a census of the children of Israel, but to remind us that there's nobody who escapes the eyes of God. He cares about every person. I mean, Jesus said, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one goes astray, what does the shepherd do? He goes after the one. Why? He knows that the 99 are safe because they're together. He needs to go after the one sheep. And we need to always remember that. Because I think sometimes when somebody is not our preference, or we don't understand them, we have a tendency to want to push them away. But really, God cares about people. And he numbers all of these people. Now, verse 46. All who numbered, all who were numbered of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron and the leaders of Israel numbered by their families and by their father's houses from 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, everyone who came to do the work of service And the work of bearing the burdens in the tabernacle of meeting, those who were numbered were 8,580. According to the commandment of the Lord, they were numbered by the hand of Moses, each according to his service and according to his task. Thus they were numbered by him as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, you add up all those numbers, 2,750, 2,630, 3,200, and you get 8,580. So what this reminds us is that God can do math. (laughs) It's just a worthy reminder. Jesus is real. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Daniel finished up this teaching from Numbers 4 on the second census of the Levites. You'll learn that just like the priests, you are set apart for God. As you begin to live out this truth, you'll discover that you have more value than you realize. Pastor Daniel reminded you that this census displayed how God values everyone, you included, and wants you to know your role and fulfill it. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus' Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus' Real Radio at 360 256 
4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will share that God values his people and cares about the details of their lives. You'll hear that God reminded the Israelites of the laws for cleanliness to keep sickness and disease from spreading through their camp. Very different from the cultural practices around them, Pastor Daniel will remind you that God's ways are countercultural. Sometimes they don't make sense. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Camp. Until then, may God bless.